0: As we uh, as we worship today, help us to celebrate the coming King in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. I'll invite you guys to go ahead and join me in standing, and we're gonna sing "Come Stand Amazed." I really enjoy this song, and uh, yeah, uh, it's an invitation. We're here this evening to celebrate the birth of Christ, so let's come and stand amazed together as the family of God. <clears throat>
0: talking about the idea that uh, we're spending the Christmas season preparing for Jesus to come, right? We've talked about how we prepare our hearts to celebrate, how we um, how we do all of these things that are associated with preparing for Christmas and getting our hearts in the right place and our minds in the right place and this evening is the day that it is here. And if we've been preparing, if we've been getting our hearts like focused on Jesus, our eyes focused on Jesus, um, this is the time that should be surreal and exciting, and we shouldn't be worried about microphones not working and um, whether or not there's a bright light in the room. Uh, my favorite, favorite, favorite Christmas verse uh, takes place in Luke 2. Uh, the shepherds and the angels uh, is, the, is the heading, uh, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You shall find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel Praising God and saying, "Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom His favor rests." Um, and I, the reason I love this text, right, is <clears throat> number one, there's a whole lot of layers to it, and there's all kinds of hidden meaning, like the fact that these guys are probably the only shepherds out at this point, because during the winter everybody else took their sheep in. Um, But these guys are probably the ones who are watching the sheep that are used for temple sacrifices, and they're the ones that God chose to come out and witness the birth of Jesus, like the Lamb of God who would be the last sacrifice for us, right? That's amazing. But for years in this part of the world, they'd been waiting for a Messiah. They'd been waiting for God to fix everything, and they'd reached this point in the time right around Jesus' birth where everybody was kind of frenzied, They were like little kids waiting for Christmas. And these guys are sitting out there in the dark, in the cold, watching sheep. Um, and all of a sudden there are angels and the sky lit up and we put up our lights on Christmas trees and around our houses. By the way, you should drive past Kenyon's house on the way home. He always has the best lights. Um, and it, it's sort of an homage, but it's nothing like what these guys got to see the rest of the This evening, we're going to talk about like Jesus is here. God has come to save us. He has given us a gift better than anything we could possibly, possibly hope for. And the shepherds got the first announcement. They had the opportunity to see the holy seraphim choir, like who probably been preparing since the fall for this moment to stand up and sing praise to God in front of these shepherds in a field in the middle of the night to announce that jesus is here guys this evening we're going to celebrate jesus is here all the gifts all the trees everything else it all points to jesus is here let's celebrate tonight and we will celebrate like jeremy's going to lead us in worship because like the angels that they heard on high it's glorious and we celebrate that they got that and we look forward to seeing it ourselves
2: your joyous dreams prolonged What the gladsome tidings be Which inspire your head sing. Come adore our men's in need. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Glory
3: Good evening, everyone. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about the state um, that Israel and Judah found themselves in the time when the prophecies in Isaiah were made. And I'd like to invite you to consider with me tonight a nation that was once, they were connected under one God um they believed in the one true god they worshiped the one true god now this nation has been divided and they are split into two different kingdoms um there's uh there were once priests who led the people to fear god and follow god and now there's bribery and extortion taking place um there the widow and the orphan are being mistreated There's the the ground is stained with the tears and blood of many prophets that went ahead and who uh, poured their hearts into sharing God's message, um, not only of judgment, but of hope. And then you this is where you find Isaiah prophesying. Um, King Ahaz has just found out of Judah has just found out that the king of Syria and the king of Israel have come together and they're planning to attack Judah. And they're trembling with fear. They don't know what to do. Um, this once, this nation at once worshipped the same God is divided. They are fighting, uh, and there's idol worship going on. And so, Isaiah the prophet comes onto the scene, and God tells him to go and give this message to King Ahaz. And I'll read a little section of scripture here, in Isaiah 7, 11 through 16. It says later the Lord sent his message to King Ahaz. Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz, make it difficult as you want, as high as the heavens or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, Listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. By the time the child is old enough to choose which is right and wrong and reject what is wrong, he he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before the child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. So that's quite a message of hope. Um, But it's a message in a temporary sense. They They would not have to fight this battle but this Emmanuel um, would be the sign of this. But it points to a further fulfillment of the same message of another Emmanuel that would come. So if we look over here, in um, let's take a look at chapter 8, 5 through 10. It says, Then the Lord spoke to me again and said, My care for the people of Judah is like the gently flowing waters of Shiloh, but they have rejected it. They are rejoicing over what will happen to the king of Resin and King Pekah. Therefore, the Lord will overwhelm them with a mighty flood from the Euphrates River. The king of Assyria and all his glory. The flood will overflow all its channels and sweep into Judah until it is chin deep. I will spread its wings, submerging your land from one end to the other. O Emmanuel, huddle together, you nations, and be terrified. Listen, all you distant lands, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Yes, prepare for battle, but you will be crushed. Call your counsels a war. They will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. For God is with us. And this is just another wonderful message, but interesting to see that the people of Judah are rejoicing because um, they're planning to not have to fight this battle, not have to engage in this war. But God says that, you're still distant from me. You're still going to come under pu- punishment. So they find themselves in a hopeless situation. If you look years back, there was a decision made. They were given the option of having God as their king or choosing to have an earthly king. And they chose to have an earthly king, um, a king that they could manage on their terms and in their way, um, instead of God who would do things on in his terms and in his way. And this is where it has gotten them. They're a divided nation. um, They are fearful. They're fighting against each other. And it's not so unlike us today sometimes. I think that um, in our desire to do things our way, we find ourselves in a really bad spot, in a desperate spot where we need help, where we need Emmanuel to come and to rescue us. In fact, I found myself in a desperate spot earlier. I got stuck. And there was no way I was going to get out of the snow without an outside force coming and helping me. And it made me think a little bit about just how necessary it is to have God step into the picture and to perform a rescue that we could never perform. But God in his grace had given the people of Israel time. He'd given them time to to see if they could do it um, by their own power. He gave him a chance to see if the earthly king could come through for him, could rescue him. Um, but the king had failed. All their efforts had failed. Uh, they had tried forming alliances with other pagan nations, and those alliances had let them down. They'd even sought wisdom from the dead. They've tried everything, and nothing's working. They are truly stuck in the need of Emmanuel to come. Which brings us over to Isaiah 9. Many of you might be familiar with this passage. Isaiah 9, we'll start in verse 1 here. It says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The Lord of Zebulun and Naphtali, land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, where lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and as people will rejoice, they will rejoice before you, as people rejoice at the harvest, and like warriors, dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery, and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned they will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And what a wonderful prophecy that would have been coming on the heels of the news they had received. And realizing how much they need this rescue. And I love how it says there to top Galilee of the Gentiles, even looking further ahead to our salvation, to our rescue, beyond God's people. Um, It's just a wonderful prophecy here. But one thing about this I think about, and this reminds me of when our precious daughter Lydia was going to be born, we were following our own course on a path that we thought was best for our lives. And Lydia was a surprise, a wonderful surprise, and what a blessing when she came into our lives. And um, I just remember the feeling of joy and anticipation considering (coughs) all the wonderful things that having a child and a daughter would bring and um, maybe walking her down the aisle one day and just the different um, wonders that come with that. And I think about this passage in Isaiah 9 as it talks about, um, Jesus coming and changing everything. But also, there was an aspect of that where it was a surrender to God's plan. His plan was better than ours. And we had to surrender to that. There's an aspect of this prophecy that says that this king will come and this king will rule, an everlasting reign will be established. But there's an element of surrender there. The people of Israel and Judah are going to have to surrender. And are going to have to realize that God has a better plan. They're going to have to come under his way of doing things. They've tried it their way. It doesn't work. It's an important reminder to us that we can try it our way. We'll find ourselves stuck because we need this Prince of Peace in our lives. And the peace that surpasses all understanding is only one that he can bring. And so that's the reminder uh, that I would like to bring to us tonight. And we would like to sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Uh, Just as a reminder of how much we need this Emmanuel, how much we need this Savior. And uh, just remembering that the King will come into our world in his way and on his terms, but he'll meet us where we're at.
4: And cause us in her ways
5: to go.
4: Rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel shall come.
1: Christmas time. And uh, when you guys. <clears throat> I'm going to put that light down. When you guys think about Christmas, I mean, other than thinking about. You down. down? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I don't want to know what just happened. I'm going to stay ignorant. <laughs> oh, did it? Sorry about that. Um, other than you know, like during the Christmas season, other than the obvious when we're thinking about Christmas, we're thinking about Christ coming, he's a a baby, God, the infinite king of glory, becoming a small infant, wrapped in swaddling bands as the words go. Uh, Another thing that we think about, though, when we think about Christmas is family. Now, I know what you're thinking, because as soon as I say the word family, you either go... Ah, yes, that time of year when people come and visit, and I love it so much, and it's so great, and I really haven't seen these people since last year, and I can't wait to not see them again until next year, right? Family comes with a lot of baggage, probably for everybody in some way, shape, or form, doesn't it? Let's be real. Let's be honest here. And let's be real and honest here. It's pretty much the same for Jesus. If you read in uh, the two Gospels that uh, actually mention a genealogy of Christ, and if you don't know what a genealogy is, it's a very boring part of the Bible that has a lot, a lot, a lot of names, and a lot of names that you can't pronounce. And so now I'm going to read all of them to you right now. Here we go. I'm just kidding. Deep breath. I'm not going to do that to you. Here's what I'm going to do, though. I'm going to explain why these boring genealogies are actually very awesome and fun to study. And let me show you why. If you start off in Matthew, because that's the first book in the New Testament, and that's the first gospel that has a genealogy, and it. it starts off right at the beginning of chapter 1. You know, it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, if you understand Matthew, he's writing to a Jewish audience. And so his genealogy is going to focus on a lot of the Jewish people. And he's going to end with the father of all the Jews, Abraham. Right? And that's how he ends the genealogy. But you'll notice something about this family tree in the genealogy of Matthew that's peculiar. For instance... um, You know, if I were prepared, I would ha. I would have like marked all of them down and highlighted them, but I didn't. Um, Father of Boaz by Rahab. Anybody familiar with the name Rahab? No. Okay. If you go back in the Old Testament, uh, Rahab was a prostitute. If you don't know what that is, ask your mom later. She'll tell you. Sorry, moms. Love you. Um, And she was not a Jew. And she is a woman. And I'm not saying that to be controversial. Most genealogies traditionally don't mention women really at all, especially a prostitute. If you go back to this idea when I'm talking about families being messy, Matthew is being open and honest about the fact that this genealogy is messy. And if you don't know the story of Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the prostitute protects some spies from Israel, who came into her home city to look around and be like, hey, we need to know if we can take this town out. And, and she hides them and she protects them. And then she eventually gets grafted in and she becomes a part of this Jewish family. And she's a part of the lineage of Christ our Savior, the prostitute. It's messy. How about another one? King David. King David is a very famous guy. He's a big deal. King David is also a sinner, right? And it actually, Matthew doesn't hold back at all. He says, and David, the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. He had a baby with another man's wife. Messy. Now, obviously, we think of our own families and we go, yeah, there's a lot of mess in there. Yep. But then we look at this idea, especially when Adam was talking, he's talking about this idea of Emmanuel coming. Why? Because we needed saving. And then Jesus not only comes down and meets us where where we're at, right? Like he becomes a human person. He becomes he goes from being infinitely God with all knowledge, all power, all for everything. He knows it all. And then he has to learn how to walk. He has to learn how to go to the bathroom. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's also crazy to think about this idea that the Gospels never hold back on the fact that we need saving and that the way that God chooses to do it is through this messiness that is the genealogy of Christ. If you go to Luke which is the next gospel that mentions a genealogy. And I'm not going to read it, promise. But I will mention this. At the end of the genealogy, Luke goes further than David. Luke goes, and I'm going to pronounce these names really butcher-like, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. And that's where Luke ends his genealogy. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that, Christ didn't just come to save the Jews, though. Yes, he came to save the Jews, but he actually came to do the job that the Jews were supposed to do all along, which is what to proclaim the goodness of God so that God could save not just the Jews, but the world, which includes all of us. Amen. And so. Like I said, families are messy, Um. Christmas time really is the time for us to remember that in our own world, right? Families are messy. But I wanted to leave you with this thought that in all the messiness, God still comes. And through the messiness, He brings about salvation for us through putting Himself through the turmoil of being born. I don't know if you guys ever witnessed a birth. It is messy. Not only that, that he eventually grew up and then died a gruesome death. The most horrible death a human could go through. It was messy. But he did it. He came down to our level to save us. And even though we as humans get easily twisted and easily messed up and we forget and we run away from and we seek things... Uh, that we think will fulfill us when they actually won't he comes and he saves us and so i'm going to invite rebecca to come up and she's going to sing the hallelujah song and if you're but it's like a christmasy version so it's really cool listen to the words it's great but the encouragement for us is this christ came in the mess to save us from our own mess isn't that like the best news ever What a reason to celebrate Christmas. What a reason to find joy in the fact that this man who is fully God came down and became like us to save us from our mess. Because we're in a mess. Let's be real. All right. Take it away.
6: You guys can sing along, too, if you want to, please. I heard about this baby boy who's come to earth to bring us joy and I just want to sing this song to you. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift with every breath. child they searched the inn to find a place for you were coming soon there was no room for them to stay so in a manger filled with hay I God's only See this baby wrapped in light. A host of angels led them all to you. It was just as the angels said, you'll find him in a manger bed. Amen. up in the east to Bethlehem the wise men 3 came many miles and journey long for you and to the place in which you were their frankincense their golden myrrh they gave to you
7: evening. All right, guys. Next year, I don't get to go fourth. (laughs) 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 All right. So Christmas is for the kids, right? And like as we, as we look and as we look forward to Christmas every year, you can always see the excitement building in the children's faces. And now, my, my daughter, you know, has turned three this year. And we have entered that phase of parenting known as the why zone. Why? Why do I have to clean my room? Why does this happen? Why does that happen? And my daughter ever so sweetly will look up at me and say, "Why, daddy? Why?" And as uh as any good parent would say, it it many times becomes the because I said so. Right? Right? This this is a perfectly valid answer, okay? Now, sometimes it's because I said so because that's the way it is. Sometimes it's because I said so because that's the way I'm going to make it. Uh, But in our inmost being, we have this drive to ask the question, why? Why does it have to be this way? Why, you know, why can't we do it? This other way, and there were there were a lot of whys floating around around the birth of Jesus, right? You know, why Emmanuel? That's what I'm going to focus on. Why Emmanuel? Why God with us? Why is it like this? Why does it have to be like this? I mean, there were there were a lot of questions going on. Have you ever considered that? the first thing Joseph knew for sure about Jesus was that he wasn't his kid? Let that sink in for a little bit. You know, Joseph was was ready to set Mary aside. And if it wasn't for the angel that came to Joseph in the dream, you know, Joseph would have walked away from the whole situation. So why? Why like this? Why is God showing up like this now at this particular time in history? You see, this isn't the first time we've seen God show up in the flesh, if you will. Now, follow with me and you'll see what I mean, okay? We've seen him in the garden walking with Adam and Eve, okay? We've seen him with Abraham and Sarah Taking a, partaking of a meal with them, telling them about the child, the, this child Isaac, that they're going to have. We've seen him wrestling with Jacob. And we have seen him with Moses as he converses with Moses as one does face to face, as one does with a friend. Okay? We see him with Joshua before the walls of Jericho tumble down as the commander of the Lord's armies. We see him with Gideon as Gideon is hiding in the field, hiding from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, Hey, I'm going to use you to deliver the people, out, my people out of the hand of the Midianites. And we see him in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as they... Speak to Nebuchadnezzar saying our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we will not bow to your statue. We will not worship your gods in the image that you have set up. So why this way? Because God's never shown up like this before. A baby? That's crazy. Okay, now, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke tell us about the birth of Christ, but the Gospel of John gives us a glimpse into what is going on. That's the first passage I'd like us to consider tonight. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So right there, John is reminding us of who this Word is, who he's he's talking about, okay? They're with God, same as God. But then John throws a monkey wrench into the whole thing. He jumps ahead, jumping ahead to verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. (coughs) So what's going on here? Why does God have to come down and be one of us? Jumping to another passage, Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, tells us, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Think about it. Think about what is going on here. The Son, who has been with God from the beginning, who is equal with and is God, is lowering Himself is setting aside his glory, is setting aside his majesty and his power, and he's becoming just like the beings that he helped create and that he is coming to save. It's John the Baptizer who declares what Abraham spoke by faith to his son Isaac all those years ago. My son, God will provide for himself a lamb. Jesus Christ emptied himself and as I as I looked at the text and as I considered what that meant Christ in setting aside his glory and setting aside his majesty limited himself to our flesh Jesus Christ talked with God the same way that we are able to talk to God through prayer through the holy spirit think about that God limited himself to our flesh, to our being. So, why? Why is this important? Why did this have to happen? Hebrews give us, gives us another glimpse into this question of why. In Hebrews 4, verse 15, we are told that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. This idea of God coming down and becoming a man, you know, at at this point, If I was God, I would really like to say, you know, because I said so, because I said this is the way it has to happen, because this is the way, uh, because this is the way that I have set up. You know, it, it's hard to wrap our minds around this idea that Jesus is both God and man. It's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that we are celebrating the birth of this tiny baby, who is one day going to go to the cross and pay for our sins. And, and it's, it would be really easy for God to say, hey, I told you so, because this is the way it is, because this is the way I'm going to make it. But I think he says it better in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christmas is a lot of fun. But remember the gift that God has given us. Remember the lamb that he has provided. We we celebrate the birth of Christ. And on this day, we are celebrating the birth of of the Lamb who would one day take away our sins. So, contemplate that as we sing our next song, O Holy Night.
3: Please join us in singing a holy night.
0: y'all are still awake and with us Um, and for the kids who are dozing off remember it's just that much closer to tomorrow morning Uh, we we had an idea coming into today we had a a direction and a meaning and a purpose and and an intent Um, in all of the things that we've discussed they all point forward to this like gift that we get right in in talking about the angels getting the announcement, you know, giving the announcement to the shepherds, this is an announcement that Christ is here. In Adam's talking about the virgin birth, like, like that announcement specifically is, you'll know God is saving you when the virgin was with the child. In uh, uh, Jeremy's uh, recollection of the the uh, family tree, is the the fact that God will work through even the broken, gross, embarrassing parts of life to save us. It's amazing. And in John, like we, we hear that God himself will come and save us. It's not just, you know, wave a magic wand. It's not just, you know, some easy solution. It was God himself stepping into this world to be close to us. Um, John read the first two verses of uh, John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And so forth. Uh, The next little verse that goes there actually is in three. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then actually the pairing verse here I'm going to give you is from John 8, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. But will you have, but will have the light of life. We always end our Christmas Eve service with a candle lighting. And there was a part of the verse that from Isaiah that, um, that Adam read for us, where it talks about the people who dwell in the land of darkness have seen a great light. And those who, who, I mean, literally, this is what happens with the, uh, the, the shepherds. They're in the darkness. They are in you know, the land of darkness in the middle of the night and the winter, cold and, and everything else. And a bright light shines on him as the angels announce. And Christ comes in as a light into the world. Even today for our service, I was treated to an unexpected light um, so that we could see this online. Uh, though that's going away in a minute. Um, as we light candles, as we sing Silent Night, and Rebecca come on, comes on up for that. We're not going to do Joy to the World today, though. Uh, as we sing Silent Night, as we light the candles, what we're what we're doing is remembering that Christ came into the world. He is the light of the world. He's come into our lives. And you guys, you're gonna walk out of here. You're gonna celebrate Christmas with your kids tomorrow morning. You're gonna go to your job next week, maybe, or take a week off. I don't know. But you're gonna carry Jesus with you. And as we spread the light around the room, as we share the light of, you know, the lit candles, and and we we remember that Christ was born on this night, like like so many years ago. We're going to remember that that light that Christ goes with us. We live in a very dark world. We live in a world where kids shoot each other. We live in a world where you know there are people who, you know, are, are going to bed hungry tonight, and and where people are going to spend tomorrow alone. And you guys, you're going to bring that light, and you're going to bring the warmth of Christ, and you're going to bring the love of God everywhere you go. And like this is God's answer. Christ came to be the light of the world. And those of us who walk with him never walk in the darkness. We bring the light with us. And we share it with the folks that we encounter. And so we're going to finish again singing Silent Night.
6: First again.